0: Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the podcast today, we have Eric Twiggs. Welcome, Eric. Hey, thank you. It's an honor to be on your show. It's My pleasure. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yes, I am your procrastination prevention partner. I'm the author of The Discipline of Now, and I'm the host of the 30-minute hour podcast. And as far as what I do, I help entrepreneurs and executive leaders to ditch their excuses, to beat procrastination, so they can make more money, get more done, and feel more confident.
0: Well, that's uh, there's a few topics in there that are really worth, <laughs> I'd like to dig into. Um, I like the, the one about discipline. I've spoken about that a, a few times. Can you talk on what your approach to discipline is?
1: So, so the good thing about discipline is that it is a skill that can be developed. Right. So I I talk about procrastination and overcome procrastination, overcoming procrastination. And people often say, well, Eric, yeah, it's easy for you. You, You're genetically predisposed to procrastinating. But that's not how it works. It's all about discipline. It's all about anybody can put certain habits in place to to keep you from procrastinating. And, And that's really that's the difference. That's the difference between me and somebody else that's out there. Over the years, I put certain disciplines in place. Now, the other side of that is that if I don't put those disciplines in place, I'm just as likely as anyone to slip and start procrastinating.
0: So what are some uh, examples of the types of things you put in place?
1: So the most basic discipline is making an appointment with yourself. Just this one thing has helped many people that I've worked with to overcome procrastination. And it's something that I do as well. Instead of saying that I am going to write a blog post this week, I'll say that on Wednesday at one o'clock, from one o'clock to two o'clock, that is my creative time where I'm going to write my blog post. And I put it on my calendar and I set a reminder. And I found that when you make an appointment with yourself, the chances of you actually doing that thing go up by like 80%. Because what what was happening to me before was, oh, yeah, I'm going to write a blog post this week. And before you know it, it's Friday at 530, and I haven't written anything.
0: Yeah. So, um, and I suppose if people ask you, you know, can you do this at that time, you've already got it blocked out in your calendar. Whereas if you didn't, you know, you might say yes, or and it might get pushed back to another time, right?
1: Yeah. And so one thing, Thomas, that really just frustrates me is when I talk to somebody and I say, hey, so did you... Did you write that outline for your book? Like you said, you would, Oh, Erica, I, I didn't have time. Y- you had time, but it, we didn't have, we didn't make it a priority. And so one of the things that's so powerful with making that appointment with yourself is you can't say that you don't have time. You're making time.
0: Yeah. Very good point about, um, cause I know you've got a procrastination prevention program. Yes. Um, What do you find that the that most people what's the main issue when people say that they're procrastinating? What's the main sticking point that people have? Would you say?
1: Well, I I think the fundamental issue is a lack of awareness. Right. And so the book is heightened to increase your the, the book is designed to heighten and increase your awareness to when you're procrastinating. So people say I always procrastinate. I have yet to meet someone that just procrastinates on every aspect of their life. Like I I know people who procrastinate in a work situation, but they're right on time when it comes to their kids or they procrastinate at home. But when it comes to work, they're, they're on point. So the key thing when it comes to procrastination is really pay attention to your triggers. Like if you just track how you're like a useful exercise is if you, if you had a sheet of paper, I've had people do this. You have a sheet of paper and track how you're spending your time. And you'll see patterns. So for a lot of people, for example, they they procrastinate on the undesirable tasks, right? It's called task aversion. It's just they don't like doing it. It's not that deep. They just don't like doing the task. So they they put it off. And some people procrastinate when it's something that could move them forward in their career. It's like a fear of success. Because what happens is they start listening to the, the negative voices inside their head. So, so I think the fundamental key is really being getting aware and it may it may uh, require getting a mentor or getting a coach who can give you that outside perspective and see that, you know, you always procrastinate when it comes to this
0: certain thing. It sounds like there could be multiple reasons why someone may not do that. So it you alluded to, you know, they may not want to do it in the first place because they're like they're not engaged with it. And if they did do it, they might be more successful. And that voice is telling them that they shouldn't be successful. So it's almost like a compounding thing, sounds like to me. Oh, sure. Interesting. And um, uh, coming back to what I said about what's the, what's the thing that you um, recommend regarding the appointment that you said, is there another thing that you would recommend regarding procrastination?
1: Yes, I call this the Twigs Top 5. And so, what I do at the end of my day, i have a three by five card. I think I have one right here. We can see it. But I've got a three by five card, and I write my five most critical priorities for the following day. The five things I, I have to, I don't care what happens, I need to get these five things done the following day. Now, for me, It's important to write and not put it in my phone, because I think when you when you write something, it creates a stronger link to your brain when you put when you and gets it out of your head. Mm. And so uh, and the five things are aligned with my what I ultimately want to accomplish. So I, I know I'm moving in the right direction. And what I find is that the things that I write down during that day, it's like I feel compelled to do it. It's like literally, I'm walking around. I feel urged to do what? Oh, I got to write this blog post. I, I got it written down. I, I got to do it. You, you just feel urged and compelled. And you will find that you procrastinate. Your procrastination will go way down if you're writing down the five things you need to do uh, for the following day.
0: And what business stuff have you got on your card for today?
1: <laughs> well, that's <laughs> interesting. So, like, I've got uh, a follow up call that I need to do with my team tonight um, because we're doing this special masterclass session. So we, we've got to coordinate, um, you know, I've got it written down that I have to write down my priorities for the next day. So that's, <laughs> that really I have to do that sometimes because it's easy for me to, to get out of that habit, but it goes back to that discipline. So, you know, I, you know another thing I've written down, I need to follow up uh, with one of my podcast guests that's going to be on my show on a 30 minute hour on Monday. So, so those are things. no, I, I'm telling you that that is, if you're looking other than the making an appointment with yourself, that that's the next thing. Like, like if you do those two things, your procrastination
0: will go way down. I can imagine it. Um, it means you're super organized because you've got your your calendar and it means that you're essentially listing out your priorities for the day. So I can totally understand how that might be, um, might be beneficial. It does remind me of a, a Jim Rohn quote. Um, are you aware of Jim Rohn at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, easy to do, but easy not to do. Right. <laughs> right.
1: No, right. he's a hundred percent right. It's I always tell people it's simple, but it's not easy. Mm.
0: Right. So you say you say it's um the thirty minute hour. Your podcast. Um, yeah. What is that about? You know productivity. Getting getting. Th- uh, an hour's worth of work done in 30 minutes. Is that
1: what it's about? Well, no. So we named the podcast the 30 minute hour because it, it, it usually goes an hour, but it feels like 30 minutes because we're, we're so different in our approach. Like it, like Ted, Ted fells my co-host and I were personal friends and we have a chemistry. And so we're, we, we keep it light. We're always cracking jokes we we're, we're, we're unscripted. And, and so the feedback we always get from our guests it's like, wow, that was so much fun. Man, I, I really had a great time. So, the, but the th- it's a personal development podcast. And we have influencers, people that are highly successful, people that have overcome these amazing challenges. And they talk to us and our audience about what they did. It's important to us. Yeah, we want to have fun. We, but we want to leave people with nuggets that they can actually go back and implement so they can say i watched the 30 minute hour i listened to the 30 minute hour and as a result i did the tweaks top five or i did what have you
0: that's good sounds like a uh, a good listen do you enjoy it enjoy your podcasting i do
1: i like i always like i'm surprised at how much i enjoy it because the funny thing is like for years people were suggesting that i start a podcast Oh, Eric, you'd be great, man! I'm telling you, that's the way. To and I'm like, and, and I would always say, I, I just don't need something else to do. I don't. I, I've got. I'm too busy. I don't need a, one more thing to keep up with. But like knowing what I know now, I would have done it years ago. No, it's. I would recommend. Anybody ever wondered my opinion on whether or not they should start a podcast? I would say absolutely.
0: Well, that's. A, there's a lot more people doing it now, right? Yes. Yeah. Now that we're in this virtual world, the
1: podcasters are
0: everywhere. And you mentioned, um, you know, people coming on your podcast, influencers and whatnot. Um, have you got mentors that you have learned a lot of your stuff from? Who are your mentors? Yeah.
1: So one of my main mentors is Dr. Willie Jolly. He, uh, he wrote the foreword to my book. But just, and it's not like every now and then he'll just give me the, he would give me this tip. And, and I, would, I would take it and, and surprisingly it would work, right? Um, he would give me this tip. Uh, but a lot of times, it's just watching his example, his hustle, and, and like the thing that stands out to me with him is that this—I mean, he's one of the top speakers in the world. He's—he's like he's on stage with Les Brown, and but you would never—the way he works, you would think that he was still trying to make it. I mean, the, the way he hustled, the way he's following up, he's just still acting like somebody's going to take it all away from. Him. And, and I watch that. because I think that's how you have to be. Mm-hmm. I think that. You know, if you want to sustain success, you, you have to maintain hunger.
0: You got to be hungry. Absolutely. <laughs> I just had to say it because you mentioned Les Brown. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: that, that's one of the things he says all the time. But I've I found, found that to be true. And would you call
0: yourself a motivational speaker?
1: More insp- I think I'm more of an inspirational speaker. Yeah. I, I think mo- motivation is more short term, right? You hear something, you you feel motivation in that moment, but the emotion passes. But I I think if you're inspired, if you're inspired, that's going to last longer. And and you're more likely to do something that you feel inspired to do. So I I think I'm more of an inspirational speaker.
0: And what do your days look like now with um, COVID? How's that changed things for you?
1: I'm on Zoom a whole lot. (laughs) I, sometimes I'm just like, I'm, I'm just zoomed out. Like you know, some, <laughs> uh, I, I'm in other personal groups. Like I have, you know, my college fraternity, we have a graduate chapter, you know, this thing with the church and, and they have zoom meetings sometimes. And sometimes I just, I just don't go because I'm just zoomed out. You know, I, I've done all these meetings. I'm doing interviews. I'm interviewing people. It's like, it's like, I need to unplug, but no. So <laughs> I've had to become more
0: familiar
1: with, with this virtual environment.
0: Okay, and um, you find it's just as efficient?
1: In some ways, even more so. Yeah, I, I think you can get your message out to more people you know, in, in the virtual environment. Um, and, and so the funny thing is, we were doing my podcast before the pandemic. And, and we used to uh, meet at my uh, co-host's office we had microphones and all that. We, we, we recorded. We didn't do it live. But when the pandemic came, his office closed because, because yeah, yeah, we were shut down. Mm. We said, hey, what are we going to do? And that's when we started using Facebook Live and Zoom. And it literally, I think it, it's like quadrupled our audience.
0: Yeah, I've heard it about the, um, the concept of writing books. So, like, you can spend a year or two on a book or something and reach – You know, however many people you sell your book to or you can put out a a YouTube video or um, a a podcast, as you say, and reach, you know, in the same afternoon, you could reach almost just as many.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've literally I mean, I've had people from around the world reach out to me about the podcast. Uh, And and Ted Ted and I just joked that I mean, when we first started getting these feedback, it was like, wow, somebody from Australia just connected with us wow, somebody from England, oh man. Now it's, it's not even like, like if I tell Ted, hey, you know what? I, I was just talking to the bucket list guy from Australia. Oh, okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but but I'm saying that the, the reach of a podcast and the reach of these virtual platforms is just incredible.
0: Can you talk to me about the urgency of now?
1: So the, the urgency of now is, it's one of the, the presentations uh, that I do. And, it, and it's really, been, I, I was inspired by Dr. Martin Luther King, where he says, he he says, this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. Yeah, we are faced with the fact that tomorrow is today. We are confronted with the fierce urgency of now. Like I, that's, that's like the most profound quote. And it really speaks to, you think you have all of this time. You You think, oh, I can just do this down the road but you don't so you really have to treat now with urgency and so i, I do a, a program where i talk about that and i, and I tell stories i have i have all kinds of stories of people i've worked with who thought they had all this time and they tragically passed away and leaving everybody in a scramble and and, and sometimes when i go through these types of experiences i'm, I'm kicking myself like you know what i would have pushed even harder I would have pushed him harder to move forward on these things. And it's it's just a reminder that you don't, we don't have the time that we think to leave the legacy we want
0: to leave. And if you got anything to um, recommend, like a few things that if someone is totally sold by that concept, what can they do?
1: And if they're sold by the concept of the urgency of now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, you can certainly get my book, The Discipline of Now, which will kind of walk you through the process of, you know, how to, how to move forward. But no, I, I think really just taking action. So the key, here's the big thing, that, that, and this is something that helped me. You, you always have to remember this. You can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress, right? So a lot of times I was guilty of needing things to be perfect before I moved forward. So I felt led to do, let's say I felt led to write a book, right? And, but I would say, oh, man, I don't, I don't know anything about publishing. Oh, how am I going to sell it? Uh, you start, you know, it's not perfect. You don't have all the details. So the easiest thing to do is nothing, mm. right? But nothing, then years go by, you still haven't written your book. So the key is what, what can you do? And, and recognizing that the small steps count. So a small step could be calling a successful author. You know, leverage mentorship. Call somebody who's done what you're trying to do. So my, that, that would be my advice. Focus on what's the next step you can take, no matter how small it is.
0: Was there an author that you called?
1: Um, so, I, yeah, I talked to several authors, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to Dr. Willie Jolly. Um, I, I've talked to quite a few authors. Yeah, I did when I was going through that whole process. Um, the other thing that helped me is I had, I had an accountability partner. And so we would, yeah, we, so we would talk. We, we would talk every Sunday. It was like every Sunday, like 730. And she would say, okay, Eric, so what are you going to do by next week? <laughs> I mean, she was the nicest person you ever meet. And I would say, hey, I'm going to write the outline for the book. Okay. And then the following week, Eric, did you write your outline? And I remember one time I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't. And I felt terrible. <laughs> and I said, I'm never having this feeling again. But, but it shows you the, the power of mentorship and accountability and finding people that are on a similar path to you uh, to help you to move forward.
0: It is funny that you say that, though, because um, I've done a similar thing. And although, like you say, nicest people that you could talk to. But at the same time, that feeling is, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I haven't done it. it really works. Right.
1: Yeah. And to make it worse, she had done her part. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that just really made me feel bad. And the fact that she wasn't like jumping up and down, that was like, Oh man. I... But no, I'm telling you that that's a key thing. Getting someone who can hold you accountable to what you're saying you're going to do. that That
0: can be big. Did she use the line, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's good.
0: (laughs) So what helped you write your book? Did you, you know, just small steps or did you do it all in, you know, a very short period of time?
1: Uh, It took me a while. I mean, it was like a six-year journey. Uh, but, But I think the biggest thing that helped me was getting out of the habit of writing and editing at the same time. Because right. the progress was slow at first because I would write and then try to edit. And then, and, and sometimes you, when you do that, that's where you fall into the whole writer's block thing. And it's really just you trying to do those two things. But if you, when I started doing these exercises, like I would go to these conferences and they would have special sessions for writers. And, and during the sessions, they would just have you do free flowing writing exercises. They would tell you, look, you've got, five minutes i want you for this next five minutes just write whatever's on your mind it could be about your book or what have you i don't care how crazy it sounds whatever comes to mind just put it on paper and i did that and that's literally how i came up with the introduction for the book and and that's really what changed things for me once i just got to the point of having a time where i just write right 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 and then later go back and edit
0: That what you were saying about perfection right
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's another example of not allowing a perfect to become the enemy of progress.
0: So I have, um, a audience of business owners. If you, I think you've given a lot of valuable information so far, but if you were to say one thing to a typical business owner in terms of something to help them, what would you say?
1: Again, I make, making that appointment with yourself because as a business owner, you, you've got so many demands on your time, and you you don't necessarily have someone to like a boss, right? You, you know, you no one's gonna if you don't do it a lot of time unless you hire a coach. Uh, there's really not that consequence. So again, you run into especially in business, you run into that thing where you say, "Yeah, I'm going to. I need to find this employee. This is key employee. I'm going to look for him this week," and then again, it's become, it's Friday at five o'clock and you've done nothing to look for that person. So I I would definitely say getting in the habit of making appointments with yourself, but I would also say too, to find someone that can hold you accountable. You know, I think mastermind groups work very well. And because I I think when you, when you're making your goal public, that, that puts additional pressure on you to get it done, to find, you know, Join the right mastermind group, accountability partners, hire a coach, all those things.
0: And you've got your, so you, you've got your appointment in your calendar and you've got your daily um, tasks. Do you also do sort of weekly or monthly tasks that you want to get done if you can't get them done in a particular day? I don't have
1: weekly tasks, so to speak, but I, I do like a weekly reflection. So, like I, I'll take time. Like, like, So what I do is like I do a personal SWOT analysis on myself. So each week, and I've been doing this for years, I, I, I look at my week and I say, okay, what, what were my wins? What were my strengths? What did I do well? What were my weaknesses? What, what did I mess up at? What did I do wrong? What, what, what are my opportunities? What, what should I be looking at down the road that I may not be paying attention to? And, and what, are, what are my threats? You know what? What are those things that can just that I'm not it's outside of my vision that I'm not paying attention to. So a lot of time through that exercise, there are some weekly things that come up. You know, oh, you know, for, as far as opportunities, I need to follow up with this podcast. I need to blah blah. blah. So so that's kind of where the weekly focus comes in.
0: Reminds me of um, Brian Tracy advocates a what did you do well and what would you do better. Um, Is that kind of kind of what you mean? Oh, for
1: sure. For sure. Like like there's this book I'm reading. um, It's called anti-fragile. It's by a guy by the name of Nassim Tlaib. And the premise of the book is that like when things go wrong, you know, it's like the opposite of being a a fragility is anti-fragility, which is you get better from the adversity, right? You, You actually benefit from failure. So I think like that habit of checking out, okay, what did I do well? What, what did I mess up? When you when you have that level of focus, you start to become anti-fragile, right? So you, you start saying, okay, yeah, I'm, you know, I I missed this appointment. So now I'm going to start making an appointment with myself and I'm going to put it on my calendar so that never happens again.
0: Have you um, run into any of David Goggins' stuff yet?
1: Oh, yeah,
0: his videos and <laughs> Oh, it makes me think. When, what you just said makes me think of uh, callousing the mind.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. He's. Uh, I started following him when I ran a marathon back in 2017, and he's run like these ultra marathons, like 40 miles, 50 miles.
0: But, it, no, but he's it, up to 205 miles now. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's just crazy.
1: <laughs> that's what I'm like. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I like David Goggins, but I'm not doing that.
0: Yeah, you don't. You're not. Uh, you don't want to cut us your mind that badly. There's no, some other I, way to do that,
1: right? I have to come up with something
0: else. Yeah. <laughs> so we always ask near the end of a podcast, um, "What are your business goals?"
1: My business goal, my ultimate business goal, is to help 10 million or more people to move in the direction of their ultimate goal. That's really my, my ultimate thing. And there's a lot of ways I do that through the books, through the podcast. I, w- I want to reach those 10 million or more people.
0: You know where you at? Where you're at at the moment?
1: Not at 10 million yet. <laughs> <laughs> I probably I probably need to figure out a way to get an exact count. But I mean, just uh, thousands and thousands. I mean, just through you know the internet and all these different mediums. What. Well, <laughs> It's a Go
0: specific goal, which is good. Some people, when they give the answer, it's kind of like generalized. You've got a specific goal. Have you got a date on it? Well,
1: I would I would say within the next five years.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. I, just, I try to think in like five-year windows. I, I think that's a long enough of time. So I, I'm thinking within the next five. And I, I just think it's, it's extremely possible.
0: Oh, definitely possible with the internet, right? Oh, sure. Well, um, thank you very much for all the information. I think it's been a good talk, and you're welcome anytime. Where's the best place for people to find you?
1: They can go to my website, thedisciplineofnow.com, and they can pick up a copy of the book. It's in the, the book is The Discipline of Now 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. It's in audio, paperback, and ebook format
0: as well. Okay. Eric Twiggs, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. Speak to you soon. Thank you.